The Silly Goose Gang Podcast. Episode 43, Silly Goose Gang Podcast. And we're delighted to be joined uh, this afternoon, this evening, by Bert Soren of Soren X. So, uh, Bert, thanks so much for taking the time to, to join us today. Thanks for having us, having me on the show, guys. This is a, a, a this is a treat to get to talk with some Scotsmen again. It's been a while since <laughs> I've had the pleasure. This is um, this is something that we keep hearing from uh, our American guests is that they, you know, they're looking forward to seeing some Scottish guys. Don't know why, but yeah, cool. Let's speak. Uh, so <laughs> I don't. There must be. Uh, there, there must be something. Uh, I, I, like, well, you said off camera, but um, you have some some sound faces. Um, you know, it seems to be an American thing where they they really love to go back and look at the 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 history and stuff. Um, so yeah. you were, what do you see with uh, MacArthur? Is that what you said? Yeah, MacArthur. Yeah. So that's that's uh, kind of far back in my lineage. But uh, I did Highland Games uh, for years. I was an amateur world champion, then turned pro and did that for a couple of years. And so I was all, I've always been around the strength game for probably the last two or three decades. And so I was an Olympic-style le- like hammer thrower. And then mm-hmm. going into uh, the obvious choice after that, when you're kind of done with your track and field career, if you're strong and you still love throwing things, then Highland Games were always something that I, I found interesting. And so... To get to compete in the U.S. and then, of course, you know the strength world has such a root back well, all over the world. Uh, and but the, the the strength athletes in America are very it's a very hard, heavy part of our culture. But obviously, that mm-hmm. culture always goes back to roots like Scotland. So that was um, I'm a historian as well. So to get to do the full gamut was awesome. That's pretty cool. Yeah. You just, you just casually dropped in there that you were track and field, but you were actually a four-time Division One mm-hmm. All-American, weren't you? Uh, yes, yeah, I had a pretty good, good little run. So it was. Yeah, they don't, uh, it was, it was they don't like they have won all Americans as a as a participation medal. That's uh, <laughs> that's pretty impressive. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I think uh, I'm 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 pretty proud of that, but I'm, I'm more proud of where I came from because I was a, a non recruited walk on that had never seen the hammer before. So when I got there, it was. Did you ever see the American movie movie uh, Rudy, like the football oh, movie uh, where? Dude, dude, seriously, I love, Rudy gets me. I cry at Rudy. I'm oh, sure. No, Notre Dame is my NCAA team, and I cry every time at Rudy. Oh, uh, well, me. yeah. So they, like my, my freshman year in college, they kind of jokingly called me Rudy because I was really skinny and I was horrible at throwing. And I just wanted to do it really, really bad. And um, and then as I got better and better and better, then I had started having a pretty successful career. And so, like movies like that were always just you know, strangely enough, movies actually being a big influence. It's like, okay, uh, thing, cool things could happen if you work really hard, and and then uh, and they did. So that's, you know, I, I'm proud of more from where I came from to where I achieved. So that's kind of my track career in a, in a nutshell. <laughs> well, you Especially seem to have um, achieved quite a bit. Sorry, Ali. No, I, I, I was just saying, you seem to have achieved uh, quite a bit, Bert, so... Um, <laughs> You know, <laughs> yeah, you know, it worked out. <laughs> but you, you, yeah, yeah, it's not, not been a not been a terrible life, right? Um, yeah, you've done some 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 crazy some crazy uh, impressive things. So, um, I am fascinated with the. I I don't know if it's a thing since getting older, but like I'm I, I really love the the process of 
being made and how they're made and you know sort of handmade things. So you know with the you know the the company something that's really interesting. And I seen that uh, you know you I picked it up just recently off you. Uh, you were like grinding something or something uh, when you were when you were super young. So it's something I, I love that you know that somebody who's been in a, like a family business and creating things. That's such a cool thing. So um, that's oh, what I'm you. fascinated by. So. Uh, oh, thanks. Yeah, so that was uh, yeah, that goes back to 1980. Is that correct? Yeah, my dad started in 1980, and so uh, I I was born in '76. So I was a little kid, and so just being around it, you know, walking around the shop and getting dirty, and you know, told not to touch all the sharp things, and and uh, you know, don't look at the welding bead and all that that stuff like that, the flash, and and. Um, mm. Yeah, and we actually we had Soren Soren playgrounds before Soren equipment, so then we kind of ran both at the same time. So we always had a bunch of lumber in the backyard and building forts. And my dad would build these playgrounds for schools and things like that. So it was cool just being around that construction side of the world um, and then learning to build things myself. And um, yeah, I I I wasn't sure that was what I was going to do. You know, when you're a kid, you think you're going to go be a professional skateboarder or like you know, some other thing that's just fun to do as a kid, you know? Um, and then later on the love for it grew more and more. And then, um, kind of my first love after that was being an athlete. But for me, that didn't even really happen full fledged until I was in college. That's why I say it was so crazy that to be a average at best high school athlete, and then to kind of like a, like to another movie, Forrest Gump to kind of walk onto a you know, an SEC Division One track team that was one of the best track teams in the nation, and um, unknowingly work my way into a position. That was that was when I kind of learned how. I learned a few things. I learned how to work and how to succeed, but also I learned that doing things longer and harder than most people creates the opportunity for doing the impossible. So that's what taught me that oh, I could do things that are far above what the expectation level of, of not only for people, for me, but people just average people in general, you could exceed that. If you just don't listen to what everyone says that it's some mm -hmm. semi impossible and you just work really, really hard and you do it for a long time. And that was kind of what I've said too, is like 10 years, you do something for 10 years. If you do it really hard for 10 years, you're going to be better than 90% of the people because most yeah. people quit after two or three. So just by just mathematically, you're going to be one of the best if you make it to the 10 year mark. And um, mm. that's kind of how my really my life kind of has revolved after that was, you know, I don't really care how I start. It's, you know, when everyone else quits because they're tired or bored of it or they've reached their potential, like how many more years do I have in it at that point? And that's helped me in business or in my strength and conditioning stuff or, or throwing or even my marriage and, you know, just try to look at that same principle. Like if I could just, you know, be tougher and be in, be in everything for the long haul. Um, that's, that's kind of been my thing. So the long haul, I guess, is really the, the, the secret. That's, ingredient. Um, that's a, an interesting thing that you, you're talking about long haul, Bert, because, uh, so I, you know, sort of similar to you i grew up around about um cars vehicles trucks all this kind of stuff so you mm -hmm. know like you i was you know move, moving about workshops and all this kind of stuff right and, you know exactly the same getting told not to look at the flash and a welder and all this kind of stuff and you know moving all sorts of heavy things when i was a kid and you know when i was speaking to my, my granddad fairly recently when we were talking about businesses um 
was saying that nobody now, I don't know about America, but certainly over here, nobody seems to be building a business long term. Everybody seems to look to make of money for two or three years and then you know, they go bankrupt and they'll just do something yeah. else. Whereas I, I like the idea of like what you're saying is longevity. Yes. You know, so and I did it my yeah, dad, your, and your grand... it. hopefully we pass it on. Yeah, your granddad's exactly right. And that's maybe some a way that I was raised. It's it's almost like a being rich versus being wealthy. And rich is I have a bunch of money in my pocket today, and wealthy is I'm I have uh, resources and abilities for generations, and that's kind of the always been the the, the idea. You know, people's asked, well, what's the what's the goal of Sornex? I said to be sustainable and profitable, and being a relevant resource for the community for a really really long period of time. You know, it's not. People say, well, what's your exit strategy? If someone asked me that the other day, you know, I'm 44, turned 44 yesterday. They go, well, what's your exit strategy for Sorenex? I said, what do you mean? And they said, well, you know, now you've kind of grown it, like, you know, you're going to sell it off. And no, <laughs> no, that's not the point yeah. of this. Mm-hmm. Like the, the point of this is yeah. to create something that, that positively impacts the world for a long period of time while getting to do what we love. And in my opinion, mm. that is winning. That that is that is the point of it. Because let's say I had X number of tens of millions of dollars right now, what the hell would I do with it? Like, just sit at home yeah. and 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 become a shitty person because I just would live in a life of yeah. whatever that is. That doesn't make sense. In in my opinion, to some people that might be fine, but I think your granddad was right. And there's the wisdom of those old folks that understand that there has to be some regularity to your life. There has to be some some uh, yeah. routine there has to be a struggle once you once you stop struggling in life you you grow weak and once you weak yeah. you weaken and then everything starts tumbling regardless of how much funding that you have and you're exactly right people try to make their money in 2 to 3 years flip their business come away with a bunch of cash and and like I get that that's a very good aggressive business model if you don't love what you do if you yeah. just mm-hmm. want to do it to flip it and and to make cash to eventually get to where you want to be in life and do what you want to do, I get it. But um, I, I've always preferred the the relationships and the skill sets needed for that are built during a long period of time because those are ones that you yeah. you can't take them away from. You can't wash them away easily yeah. because some friends I have and people I work with I've been friends with for twenty five years. We didn't just meet yesterday on LinkedIn. So yeah. I think people need to look yeah. at that and they need to look at their own life and just make sure they're running a clean game that 20 years later they could call up someone and, and they still have good social credit with that person because they've done a good job of being a human. That's my personal opinion. One, um, one of the, uh, you know, it, it ties in with just what you said again about is you know, when you've been doing something for a very long time, so I'm a little bit younger than you, I'm 35, you know, but I've been involved in the same thing basically an entire life. And every time, you know, if you're going someplace or you're doing, you know, whatever, and you get in a, a, you know, a situation where, you know, whether you're stuck or you need something, I know people all over. So you can always phone somebody to say, ah, how's it, you know, I need to get this off you. And it's because you've built these relationships over a yeah. very, very long time. And you've always been good to people. And you've always helped people. And it will always, you know, go full circle and help you out. And, I, you know, I, I, yeah. I really, really like I really like that, um, you know, part of life when you have this long 
you're all okay, but you're nice to everybody and they'll always help you out and you'll always help them out. It's such a and it's, it's a rare thing. It seems to be you know becoming rarer. Um, right. Everybody wants to as take, people get more. Wants to give. Mm-hmm. And yeah. as everyone becomes more self-centered, it was it's all about you know I got to get mine. What what can I get? What can I get? But they don't understand that the more you give to the world, that's your insurance policy when things go bad. You know that's that's yeah. what what would a great amount of people will say. Hey, this you know whether it's Chris or Alistair or Bert or whoever. They've always done good works, and you know, and that—that's your. People talk about the stock market. I, I look at like the social stock market. Like, what are you putting into that society around you, and keeping that valuable? That in a rainy day, I know there's a hundred jobs I could get right now with probably a hundred yeah. phone calls if I had to, yeah. and yeah, that's yeah. a nice feeling of security yeah. to know that I've done a, things in the world that have helped people and looked out for them. So then I don't have to as much worry where my next meal is going to come from. Yeah, I always refer to it as personal capital. You know, okay, your capital yeah. into, into, into your bank account as such. And if you're always take, 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 eventually that circle is going to disappear. You have to go the other way as well, as well as, you know, your personal capital comes in and out, as you say. You know, you, you mm-hmm. establish those relationships with other people. You, you nurture them. You keep them alive by, you know, I can do you a favor here, half a favor for half a favor. Um, right. and keep that personal capital moving. That's exactly it. It's an economy, I, right? Yeah, 100%. I'm not, I'm not I'm not. even sure I do what you were saying, Ali. I'm not even doing it, you know, favour for a favour. I, I, you know, I just do things because I'm... You know, you know, I just want to help people. You know, if I can help someday, I will help them. It's not like, you know, if I, you know... You know, if I, uh, you know, give Bert a lift to the airport, well, then he's due me a lift. It's like, no, man, I'll, you know. No, no. You know, give you a lift. You know what I mean? But, yeah, not like that. It's just, um, you know, if you if you help people, people will help you out. It's just, um, you know, I wish more people kind of thought that way. You know? yeah. Yeah. Uh, or maybe you help that, people uh, and they help someone else out. Yeah, exactly, you man. Know? And, and then, um, then it just comes yeah. around, you know. Yeah, Absolutely. Now, I watched um, a video um, maybe last week or fairly recently, but and it was, um, you know, you're talking about, you know, being alone and, you know, if you're cold and wet and miserable in the hills and, you know, all this kind of stuff. Then I genuinely listened to that or watched that 10 times. It's just such a, it's something that resonates so deeply um, with me. I really love that, you know, that I, you know, you know, the the hills will you know five hundred pounds on your back or you know being in the hills will will fucking kill you if you um if yeah. you so I I love that you know always reminds me of the you know the the great Henry Rollins quote about you know two hundred pounds is two hundred pounds so That's you know it. nothing else really matters um I love that so you 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 obviously do a lot of hunting. Sorry, I went all Scottish there. Uh, you obviously do a lot of hunting. So you know, what? Um, how how long do you go on on you know into the the wilds? Yeah, yeah, I do a good bit of of hunting. I don't get to do as many of the really long trips as I would like to. Um, most of my hunts are day hunts and things like that. But still, you you know. Uh, it's hard to die quickly in that amount of time, but there are certainly times I could have. Um, but, you know, we were hunting last year in Idaho, and it was seven degrees Fahrenheit, and 
uh, high winds and, you know, you get turned around out there in the mountains. We were tracking a buck through the snow and, and you get turned around out there. You'd be, you'd be screwed. Um, and, uh, and, and so that's, that's what I just like the unapologetic nature of nature as well as weights because it's, Mm -hmm. it is what it is and it's up to you to prepare for it or not. And, and no one's going to hold your hand no one's going to say, Hey, you should have done your homework better. And I love that. And I kind of, I think I talked about in that video, that blood origins video. Um, there's so much kind of going back to the social societal sense of it. There's so much, uh, as, as people call it, say fronting or, or, or profiling or doing something that, you know, you could be dis, distru- uh, untruthful about your intentions. Uh, if you're doing a favor for someone hoping to get over on them or whatever it may be, there's other, there's always other things, right? Mm-hmm. But in nature and in and strength training, the the gravity and and temperature and wind chill, those things don't care about you. They don't care who you are, what you are, how much money you have, how much people like you. None of that stuff matters. And so, for in a way, it's an escape at ways because I'm not held to the same societal norms um, that I am on my daily life, and that's a nice break. Um, I've seen some very famous and very powerful people outside that totally crumble because of, um, of, of those, of those, you know, pieces of the puzzle. And I like that because it, it, it levels everyone and you have to be up to, up to the level to survive. And, you know, and it's not always the most crazy hellish situation, but sometimes it is. And I like that. It's cool. And and I know that the the Scottish Highlands, the hills could get pretty rough up there as well. Fuck yes, they can. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I was just going to go into this. Um, one of one of my favorite things in the world to do is to be in the you know our hills at night on my own and just and you know people think you're crazy and it's to me it is the ultimate. Um, equalizer because you, you, as you said in the video, you know, if something goes wrong, something will probably they don't get does nature does not give a fuck about anything, it doesn't matter, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, how many people watch the podcast, or, you know, how much money I made at work that week, none of that matters. Um, and it's such a good, um, leveler and, and very good to. Think about what's important. You know, you know, was I a bit of a dick this week to somebody? Was you know, could I have been nicer? Right. Could I have done this better? It's such a nice, um, uh, peaceful thing. You know, I tell you know, as Ali seen the pictures, I, I climbed to sort of the highest, uh, the highest mountain in the UK is Ben Nevis. I don't know if you, do you know Ben Nevis. So I climbed that no. three, three weeks ago. Uh, at well, you know, four o'clock in the morning for sunrise, and the picture is, you know, I'll send you after this. The sunrise Please. was spectacular at the top of the mountain, and um, uh, uh, you know, it's climbing it, you know, high, the highest mountain in the, the country to yourself, climbing it in the dark for sunrise was so spectacular. Um, it's uh, you know, I love you know, it's so when you, you know, you're talking about in that video, it just resonated so much with me. Of oh, basically exactly you know exactly what I think, but you put it way better. <laughs> <laughs> no, I appreciate that. No, I'd love to. I'd love to have a pint and and, uh, 
and and hear the story. Um, it's interesting. I was I tell a, a quick story. Probably one of my favorite moments in my life, besides having my kids and you know being married, probably in the last twenty years, actually occurred in a similar situation in Newtonmore, Scotland, in July of uh, two thousand seven. Uh, we were there for the Highland Games. Um, you know, I was 30 years old, so it's 14 years ago, 30 years old, I'm in the peak condition, you know, like all these things, I'm, I'm you know, running Sornex, I'm doing the whole deal, and I'm, I'm really ready to throw, we had the, I trained all year for the competition, went out there, had a, had a wonderful comp day, you know, did all the things I wanted to do, went out that night with the U.S. team, the Scotland team, and the whole night, we had a bunch of drinks and partied and had the greatest time. And then, so uh, I was walking back to the to the bed and breakfast where we were staying, and for some reason, I decided to like not walk down the road just to kind of cut through this this pasture, which turned out to be much larger than I thought. And I was I was had my kilt on, and you know I'm sweaty and probably beer spilled all over me and all this other stuff. And I was walking across this this field with a big full moon moonlit field. I could see everywhere. And I walk, I'm walking around this gorgeous field in the Scottish Highlands, and I'm climbing these rock walls to get, you know, kind of to cross these fields. And I remember thinking as I'm climbing over these rocks, I was like, you know, how old are these rock walls? Hundreds of years, mm. probably. And I'm walking across this field, and I look up at the moon, and it was perfectly silent. And I remember thinking, not one person on earth knows where I am right now. Like my exact whereabouts. They probably know, some people know what town I'm in. They probably know I'm kind of around there. But that was when cell phones, like right before the iPhone came out and you, you know, all of a sudden you were very, very connected to people. And I remember thinking, wow, in my adult life, this is the first time that I've been kind of anonymous. No one knows where I am. No one could get to me. And this one, this right now is for me. I'm getting to enjoy this and no one will ever see this situation through my eyes ever. Yeah. And I could, and I just stood in that field for a while because it was perfectly silent. And I was literally the furthest I'd ever been away from home. And I just sat there and I bathed in it and it was amazing. And I, so many times, even today, when I get stressed out or things get hot and heavy with business or life or whatever, I just think back to that field and I'm like, that was my happy place in Newtonmore, Scotland mm -hmm. in a field. And one day I'd like to go back and find that field again and walk mm. through it and sit there in the middle of the night. But I, but like you're saying, climbing that mountain, that was for you. It was no one else was there. You yeah. weren't doing it for pictures. I wasn't taking a selfie. It was, this is my time and I'm, and I'm free. It was the closest to freedom I've ever had. Yeah. Well, um, what's quite interesting is, you know, Alice, you know, the pictures, I've, you know, climbed quite a lot of Monroe's here and you take some really amazing pictures. I've got some really amazing pictures, but I also have some that I purposely didn't take the picture. So exactly what you've just said is for me. This will never be seen anywhere. This is this is in my head. You know, I remember yes. on this day, you know, I climbed that hill, just sat there on my own, you know, on these hills, you know. So, you know, like the, the, the mountains in Torridon are, I think, 400 million years old. This is my this is my place for the day. It's just super cool. Um, so it's nice to have the pictures for, you know, Instagram. Um, it's also right. nice to just have the memories for yourself because that's special. That's super special. So that, um, that, that's changed so much because obviously we're all very similar age. I was born in 78, so I'm 42 now. Um, and I, a year and a half ago now, I was invited to a friend's 21st 
And you know when you're 40 and you think, I can hang with 21-year-olds, and then you go to a place where there's loads of 21-year-olds and you go, fuck, no, I'm too old to be here. But literally, like, I thought back when I was like 19, 20, 21, like mid-90s, early 2000s, and what we got up to. And literally, I'll, I'll use my daughter's phone because she's got it sitting here, but literally everyone was on the dance floor, like, like looking at their phone. Every single person apart from me and my mate who had been invited, and he was like, he's a couple of years younger than me. We're stood at the side just talking, going, "What the fuck's happened in like fifteen years?" Like, <laughs> yeah. like we've done the night for like we dancing, jumping, sweating, you know. Yeah. Literally, girls and guys all just like all, all with the works. selfie on, not even taking pictures of the scene, taking pictures of themselves dancing. Every single one of them, and then they would come back to the table when the dance would finish, and then all sit down and go, or. Right. 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 <laughs> Let me tell you. Well, I think that would have been awesome. So I'm going to vote for the kids being the worst. I can dance. Let it be said. Wow, I love it. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not looking to find. I'm not looking to <laughs> so yeah, so um, is, is there any plans uh, to, to get back over here, Bert? Is there any any plans to come over with the family and, there, there and have a look around the There hasn't been right off the rip. I mean, I uh, I came out to Germany and some other places in Europe a few years back. Um, I'd like to get back out there and, and see Scotland through a different set of eyes. You know, not you know, mm-hmm. anytime you're you're somewhere to compete, you you have a pretty singular focus, especially when you're yeah. kind of the top of your game. You're there to compete. I think we mixed in enough of the cultural stuff with it to have a great time but um yeah. but still i was there, i was you know we were there to win and that that's kind of the mindset at that at that yeah, age yeah, you know yeah. so yeah. i'd like to go there with my family or or go over there um and see it again because you guys just have an awesome an awesome country and it was just crazy like there was there was some the, the cultural stuff because it was again the one of the first times that first time i've been to europe so the, some of the cultural stuff was um, very enlightening for me um, that, that I really enjoyed. Like, you guys party your asses off. And that was what I found was like, yeah. you know, I, I, especially this was prior to social media days, or at least the heavy part of social media. Like, when we were out of the dance club, you guys were getting with it, man. Holy crap. Like, everyone was dancing their faces <laughs> off. And it was just really, really cool to see that there was um, – in America, there's a lot of times like a little bit more of a kind of posturing when people are out, especially guys. But like your guys, just big smiles, having a freaking ball, and it was like it was very freeing to go. Oh, okay, you could just 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 really, you know, let rip and and have an awesome time, and that was really cool to see. And everyone was just so so juiced up and happy. I was kind of freaked yeah. out that the, the town closed so early though. Like at five o'clock, you guys roll up the sidewalks. And the oh, bars yeah. were like closed at 9 p.m. And I'm not, I was used to in America not going out until like 10 or 11. And then you yeah. guys were closing. But I mean, there's like 300 people in the town. So I guess there's probably not a big yeah. night. Yeah. 
Yeah, those small. You know, I, I know. Um, I know Newton Moore very well. Um, uh, you know, and there's there's not much there, so there's not. Like, <laughs> you know, it's, there's those places in in Scotland. You know, you know, there will be places in, in America the same. But you know, there's, you know, sort of this beautiful little place. You know, it's such a nice little place. But you know, if you want a pizza, or you can't get one. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you want to go see a film, well, you can't see one because there isn't a cinema. Oh, you know, if you're having a heart attack, well, there isn't really a hospital, so you'll probably right. die. You start you know dying. I mean? So there's nothing. There's, there's, <laughs> yeah. there's nothing. There's nothing there. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of places. But uh, you know, one of the the most fun things you can ever do in life, uh, you know, is go to a you know a traditional Scottish Cayley. Uh, oh. And, and have some pints and oh man it's so much fun it's so much fun oh um, yeah that's we, something that's uh you know real real cool oh yeah we would i did the pleasanton california highland games there was a huge game and then some of the big uh grandfather mountain here in north carolina and so you know you're talking thousands and thousands and thousands of people camping out for a week and just the fires going and, and it's it was an awesome time and um and then we did Sterling, like I said, it had the uh, it was mm. the William Wallace uh, monument there. Yeah. And uh, gosh, I was so drunk when I got to the place from the night before. Uh, it was the night before I was walking through the field, and then they 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 woke me up at like six in the morning. They're like, "We're gonna go compete in Sterling. Get in the van." I'm like, "All right." So I just grabbed my stuff and fall over in the van. <laughs> and for like the first three events, I was so drunk and hungover, it was horrible. And then finally started coming out. Of, I thought I was gonna pass out in the Porta John. But it was a great experience. <laughs> so, <laughs> I thought that was yeah, a very Scottish uh, uh, deal, you know. That's that's very that Scottish. That, that's over to a sporting event. That's that's peak Scottishness right there, my man. Peak <laughs> Scottish. Yeah. I was getting there. Did, I, was, you, I was getting there. Did, did you uh, did you experiment with Iron Brew when you were over here? A famous uh, soft drink. I, wait, did you oh, we did. I do remember that. Yeah, for sure. And uh, yeah, yep. And then um, we 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 rode around the next day. We went to Braemar. Uh, we lifted the Denny Stones, the Ember Stone, and we did something else. I can't remember what it was. We did something else, a third one. But we basically rode around and drank drank you guys beer everywhere, and and uh, and chased all the the strength goals and everything. And then uh, went to some of the the distilleries, and I guess the Dalwini is very close. Um, but it was it was really cool that you know when you win an event they would give you a bottle of liquor i'm like well this place is great so uh, (laughs) yeah so from from like newton moore uh you're not uh you know there's there's like the the whiskey trail which is space so you're only you know from dalwini to newton moore like avi moore inverness there's not you know it's 50 miles and it's all just distilleries around about there uh, you know, it's uh, you know where 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 whiskey sort of comes from in Scotland. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it'd be you know if if you you know if you ever manage to get yourself back over here, you know we could we could uh, tell you all the the cool places to go. Take the take the take the family and um, yeah, I think it, I think it's super cool when like Americans take an interest, like actually take an interest in like coming to Scotland and seeing things. It's super. Like it's not, you know, like you know, you know, you get some American film star comes over and, and goes to Edinburgh Castle and goes, "Yeah, I love Scotland." <laughs> yeah, no, we uh, we <laughs> yeah, we, we we went around a while, almost wrecked the van about fifty-five times riding on the wrong side of the road and the wrong side of the van, 
and I finally got used to it. And then I literally almost died pulling out of the, uh, the airport parking lot when I got home because I went on the wrong side because I'd been trained to do it for a week. I almost pull out into oncoming traffic. So I almost died twice. It was great. Um, <laughs> but it was, I love it. What is it? Tenants? Is that one of your beers out there? Tenants. Tenants? Yeah, yeah. Tenants. We call it, it used to be in a, I don't know if Chris did, but we used to call it when we were younger because tenants for a while used to have a yellow can with a red T on it for the tenants. And we used to call it Hulkamania in a can. Like, what you got to do, brother? Like, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that was that was great, great uh, beer. It was like a very velvety type beer. And I can't find it in, in the U.S. Or even if Tenants is here, it's not the same. Like, on yeah. tap was incredible. Here's a question I have. So do you guys tip your bartenders? <laughs> no. <laughs> right. Okay. No. So I almost got a fight in a bar because I, I I wanted to be a nice guy and I tipped the bartender because they were, you know, I was super excited about being there and I wanted to pour into the local economy. And the guy like got in my face about it. He was like, you think you're better than me? I'm like, no, no. Like, I, I'm, I'm like, what's going on here, man? Like, I give no. you money. He's like, you don't tip here. I'm like, this is, all right. Um, okay. This is one I guess of you don't like my this school, is, man. Yeah, this is one of the strange things, um, you know, when when I was in, you know, went to Florida with the family, you know, mom and dad when I was younger, and everywhere, you know, they, like, they told you what they expected in a tip. It's yeah. really quite rude. You're telling me what you expect in a tip. So what <laughs> might happen is Fuck you off. may, you know, in a, re- in a restaurant, you may, you know, sometimes you would leave... If, if, you know, if a meal was, you know, forty-five pounds, you may just put fifty pounds in, say, and just yeah. keep, you know, keep the change. Yeah. It's cool, but you know, tipping is not something that's done. It seems, it's, it's, I, I, you know, it's kind of like a, a soft version of, you know, the gun discussion. It's like it's just something that seems so strange to us. Like, why would you, why would you give the money to do a job? <laughs> it, it seems so bizarre to us. It's like, why would you? That seems weird, but. Um, yeah. yeah, that's something that's yeah, no, and I guess we're just thing. yeah, no, and and I mean, part of me says, well, yeah, why wouldn't we just pay the people more to do their job, and and then they they're um, yeah. you know because what is tips allegedly stands for to ensure prompt service, and yeah. that's that's the I mean, but then again, my point is like, well, why do I have to pay you extra to do your damn job, you know? But I also yeah. do like you know, thanking someone extra if they do a wonderful job. So it's like, it goes yeah. back and forth, but yeah, it was weird. So we, we kind of cruise in this bar in Newton more and rip roar and having a great time. And I tip the bartender because usually like in America, you do that and you tip him well, the first time you're going to get, you know, great service. And then he basically almost got in a fight with me. I didn't understand that <laughs> 30 yeah, year old idiot American, good. right? <laughs> well, you guys don't like fighting in bars at all. I noticed. Yeah. yeah it's, um... <laughs> If you haven't, if you haven't been into a bar fight in Scotland, then I don't know what the you know you've, I don't know what's been going on. It's um, yeah, it's kind of the, it's kind of a it's kind of is that is that is that not really a thing in America like bar fights? Is that not much of a like a? It seems to be like a right of passage. <laughs> yeah, it's just like a yeah. Like, I think not, our age, right, like thirty six, forty one, forty four. I think in our age, it was like a rite of passage. You need to at least get in like one or two bar fights, like you know, just to kind of, kind of make sure that your defense is true, kind of deal. But now it's it's a whole different animal. You get in the, you you take a swing, like you're going to jail. You're the whole the 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 whole deal, and it's not worth it. Like my thought now is like, 
it's not worth fighting someone that 10 minutes before I didn't know they existed. Like, why am I going to go to jail yeah. for someone that I don't even yeah. like, if you told me you're like, Hey, you see that guy over there? I'm like, yeah, I never seen him a day in my life. Like you're going to go to jail tonight because you hit him. I'm like, that sounds absolutely ridiculous. Why would I do that? So, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's more what I'm interested in. And, and then also at a certain point you're like, okay, I don't need someone suing me. Cause like the worst case scenario, yeah. I mean, worst case scenario really in a bar fight isn't that you lose. It's that you get arrested or tried for severely hurting someone. So it's yeah. like, wait, so I'm yeah. going to fight not even to win. This is an idiot idea at this point, you know? Yeah. So I, I would prefer, I would yeah. prefer everyone and just and got I, to shove each other and buy each other a drink. That'd be great. Or, or if it was uh, like one of my other favorite movies, I know not Scotland, more Ireland, the quiet man with, uh, with John Wayne. With that super long fight scene for like twenty minutes, and they just buy each other beers during the middle of the fight. Like that sounds like a ball. <laughs> yeah, the problem. The problem is, uh, you know, when you're in the bar, none of these thoughts go through your head because you're usually pretty shit faced, and it's just like, I want to fucking punch him. That's pretty much yeah. how it goes. But that, yeah. you know, <laughs> this, actually, this, yeah. This is I, I saw a really good meme just talking about American drinking because obviously over in the states, Bert, you have to be twenty-one to legally buy a pint. <laughs> Over in Scotland, officially it's 18, obviously, but everyone starts drinking at about 14. Genuinely, well, about sure 14. you guys are going to get in fights. Well, but also, but what I said was, it says, it's weird that someone had tweeted in Scottish Planter, which is a brilliant um, social media page. It's just basically Scottish people giving random Scottish thoughts. And basically it said, it's weird how in America, they don't get to drink till they're 21, whereas Scots are pretty much given up at 21 because we spent the last seven years steaming drunk yeah. every single weekend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, I, I'm with you 100%. Yeah. And probably yeah. it's a good thing because, like, a 21-year-old man can probably do a lot more damage than a 14-year-old kid. And so you kind of get out of your system, right? And yeah, by the time totally. you're, like, grown, you're like, wow. we're going to have some probably pretty big problems here if we start fighting. Totally. Don't but I agree. Yeah. Don't mess with the young team. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't need... Hey, with Chris's arms, I don't know. I, I ain't going to a bar with him. <laughs> oh, come on, man. You're fucking... You're, 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 a, you're a big guy. I'm just... Uh, I'm just... Uh, I'm, anybody. I'm just... I'm just... I'm just uh, well, no, I don't, you know... Uh, it seems to be a recurring theme with Americans. Uh, it's weirdly, it's always guys looking at my biceps. I don't know... <laughs> well, you hang them out there like that. It's, never, never, it's never been—it's yeah. never been a really good-looking girl. It's always been a, a, a an American man. Is like, yeah, no, it, it did. Was it was it or was it Emily that was come and Chris was like, "Oh, mom's aren't that big," and then was like, "Just roll the shirt up a little bit more." <laughs> That's good. Yeah, you have a certain lens that just like kind of fish eyes on the on the guns. I like it. <laughs> Uh, I, I see. This is the fun uh, stuff. I like uh, my Scottish friends or whoever they were from other, you know, countries. Just getting to razz each other about the idiosyncrasies oh, yeah. between. I mean, I love when you guys make fun of Americans. That's hilarious. Like <laughs> it's just good comedy, you know. Like we, uh, you know, we we. I think you know. I think you know all of the UK, particularly Scotland, because we're very good at you know taking the piss. But I think it's <laughs> one of the you know you. You can, you can have fun with Americans and you can have fun with Australia, but you know, if you try and have this kind of you know, a laugh with Germans or you know, whatever, not a funny group, they, yeah, they don't find it funny. Like, those, 
why you know this is not funny why would you take what you know why would you say this about me you know it's a, it's a fucking joke man fucking calm down <laughs> um, so yeah it's a cool kind of dynamic that you have with uh, you know americans and you know australians as well um yeah can, you know just 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 fucking rip on each I, I think because all all of us have been um we've been all oppressed by the by the by the british right i mean is that basically a scenario by british you clearly yeah. mean english <laughs> yeah well, yeah. Yeah. yeah i guess that's i guess that's a real thing um i mean yeah. not, nothing against uh, those guys yeah yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah and anyway um, how can we get with this one? <laughs> it was all Bert. We didn't say anything. Um, <laughs> Why am I over here? <laughs> goddamn Americans causing trouble again with yeah. the Brits. Yeah, goddamn Americans. Um, yeah, fuck. Um, but yeah, so yeah, so are you still any competing now? Um, lifting belt, no? Are you still still doing some competitions? No, or? no, I haven't competed lifting in a while. I think my last year Highland Games was maybe 2011 or 12. And I, I think I had my son right around that time. So then it was the family thing and Sorenex started really accelerating. And, mm. and, I, and I think at that point I'd competed for 15 or so-and-so, 20 years straight. So it's like the body was like, all right, give me a break for a minute. Um, and so I still lift and I still do, you know, personal competitions and with my friends and stuff, but, um, I, I just don't really have that drive anymore to, to go sign up for something and go and compete. Um, it was fun. I enjoyed it. I know what the result is. I know how it works, but I guess really with, with me is I know the price tag associated with high level competition and I'm no longer able nor willing to pay that price. Uh, I just yeah. did the, kind of the math on it and says, okay, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to try to be the best in the one of the best in the world, and I don't have that type of time, energy, or frankly, my body wouldn't allow me to do it anymore. So if that's the case, then I'm just going to do things I enjoy doing at whatever level. And um, I mean, who knows? Maybe two years from now, I'll decide to get into Olympic lifting. <laughs> who knows? Are you are you one of these guys who has to? You know, up in the night, you do something. You know, does it have to be something a little crazier, a little crazier, to the point where you go, I just can't fucking get any crazier than this now. Uh, I I am certainly someone who once I've tasted success, I want to challenge myself against the best, and just to see. You know, that was the whole point mm. of turning pro in the Highland Games. It wasn't necessarily the money. It was I wanted to throw against the best throwers in the world to see where I would stack up. Um, yeah. if it was like, you know, I, you know, I, I've been a hunter my whole life and, you know, do certain kind of hunts and it's like, well, I want to do hunts that are more grueling, more difficult, um, more, I want to say exotic, but a little bit more extreme and try to work mm. myself into different positions where, you know, I get to test myself against not only the animals, but, but really nature in general and just the environment. And that, that's, uh, so I guess from that mindset, it's always trying to get one more right like uh yeah uh, up to 11 kind of thing you know this is this is um the problem that i find when you know i'm booked to do anything so you know i've done some you know marathons and triathlons and stuff and it's you start getting to the stage where things start to get a little bit too crazy you go where do i 
you know, where do you draw the line here? When it's like some of the events, you know, Von Hills in Scotland, and you know, they, they come, you know, they sell them as they have risk of death. And you're like, how crazy do you have to get before you go, this is fucking dumb. You know, this is just, uh, you know, this is, yeah. you know, um, you know, some, you know, some of the events you have in America, you know, the fucking Moab 240, where it's 240 miles. You go, what? How the fuck? <laughs> yeah, and, well, I agree with you. I agree. There, That's where it gets to be the risk versus reward scenario, right? Like, do yeah. I want to go back to the price? Do I want to do all the things it's going to do to do the Moab 240? And then there's some people that a 100-mile race is pretty easy, so the Moab 240 is just the obvious next step, yeah. which they they live on another effing planet. Like, you know, that's like the Cameron yeah. Haynes's and the, the Goggins's and the guys like that. Yeah. But they're just that level of crazy and and uh, and that level of almost I hate to say skill because a lot of I mean, they're certainly skilled, but they're there's a lot of just discipline and just I mean, Cameron Haynes is a friend of mine and that is just a tough son of a bitch. He is just yeah. he is as tough as you think he would be, which yeah. is it's crazy. It's awesome. But you just go, OK, for it to be fun for him, he probably can't do the uh, the intermediate level yeah. stuff. Yeah. It's funny, but it's funny when you you know you're calling a marathon or a fifty mile race like an intermediate race to like to something like Cam Hayes. It's, it's <laughs> wild, right? Too easy for them. Too easy. It's a warm up. Yeah, I've done I've done um, quite a few marathons. I think eight or nine, and you know, you know that's horrible. The idea of uh, doing you know two hundred and forty miles. It just seems like same. Like yeah, like how it's just a you know like how the fuck. And one of the things that one of the stats that was absolutely insane was when Cameron did the uh, Moab two forty. Something like his his last ten miles was like seven and a half minute mile pace. Like <laughs> of course, and it's and it's just like what the fuck. Like I can't even do the first ten miles seven and a half minutes on a marathon, and he's doing the last ten on a two forty. And that, that's, yeah. that's so far be. And I and I don't. It's one of those things where uh, you know, if you tell that to a normal person, they will go, "Oh, cool, that's fast." If you've actually done anything based right. around endurance, you just go, "That's that is so far beyond crazy. It doesn't yes. even make sense." It it just doesn't even make sense, right? It, it just it doesn't make it's, sense. It's like another friend of mine. Do you know Laura Zara? Uh, she was on that yeah. show Naked and Afraid, and and it was like a survival oh, okay. show, right? And she has like the highest yeah. personal survival rating of ever on that show, and she's just an absolute freak. And this was probably two and a half years ago. She went out into Montana into the wilderness by herself. And she went shed hunting, which when elk and deer drop their antlers and, you know, they shed them. And then she walks around in the kind of snow, kind of, it's like in March, and she's looking for the sheds. And so she was just by herself and she was walking, walking, walking. I mean, she, she did, you know, 10, 15 miles a day. She was there for two weeks by herself living off the land. And she's, all she brought with her was butter and granola because she would eat a stick of butter and rolled it in granola before she'd go to bed because it would keep her out of ketosis and would keep her warm because she had just minimal amounts of clothing. Well, she ended up, her feet got so swollen, she couldn't get her feet in her boots. 
so she did a lot of the days just walking in the snow with barefoot and she has you could look on her ig she she shows videos of popping these zip, these uh these blisters they're just firing out this fluid and like loses her toenails and she's leaving bloody footprints in the snow this is like seriously this is no shit so she gets done like on a monday tuesday something along those lines out for two weeks by herself loses 20 pounds the whole nine I call her on Wednesday. I'm like, how are you doing? She's like, yeah, you know, I'll, there was a grizzly bear around there. I was pretty sure I was getting a pack of wolves that were following me. It was really crazy. You're like, you're like, okay, so I was most likely not going to see you ever again. It's crazy. And so like, how are your feet feeling? I saw this video. She's like, yeah, they're pretty ragged. I was like, oh, cool. What, what you got coming up next? She goes, I think I'm going to run that Zion 50 K. And I was like, when is that? She goes, it's Saturday. I said, hold on a second. I said, so, some, some people, their lifelong achievement is to run a marathon. They train for it for years, and they're in top physical condition. You've been in the wilderness by yourself eating butter and granola and whatever you could find for two weeks. Your feet are in shambles, and you're about to run a 50K mountain race. Her response was, it's only 50K. And I'm just like, wow, your mindset is it's only yeah. 50K. You've just decided yeah. I could do it because it's doable and you've put away all of the, all of the, it's going to hurt. It's going to tear me apart. It's going to do all these things. That's not even a fucking issue. Like that's not even in yeah. the equation. Yeah. And you're like that, that just one sentence just rang in my mind for two and a half years. It's only 50 K and you're just like, wow, if more people could view that as the way they look at life, then then at that point, like anything's doable, right? Is that 240? Is that doable? Well, I guess if you could take one step, you could take two steps. And if you could take two yeah. steps, can you take a million or whatever it would take to make 240? I don't know. I, I'm not that tough. But the mindset is there, which I think is just incredible. That's, so, uh, you know, I have to tell you this now, since you're talking about these crazy things. Uh, but you'll you'll like this. So a couple of friends of ours, uh, one of our friends, Fergus, does um, a lot of uh, raising you know money for charity in November um, for men's mental health. And him and uh, the strength and conditioning coach I worked with uh, for for years, they are doing. Uh, uh, starting on the first of November. So we talked about Ben Nevis as the highest mountain in uh, the UK. They are doing 32 ascents of that mountain, uh, which covers, I think, 540 kilometers and something like 30 something thousand feet. Uh, and they're going to finish up on uh, the 11th of uh, November for, you know, we have uh, Remembrance Day here. Uh, uh, you know, for, for you know, fallen soldiers. Um, mm -hmm. So they're going to finish up there, and it's. One of those things where, you know, I've done Ben Nevis, you know, multiple times. The idea of doing it, 32 is like, so far, you like, you know, real, you know, both of them are, are crazy. You know, Fergus is, uh, you know, I think he broke the old lunge record last year. Uh, yeah, actually, you, this is one of these things. He's, he just recently, and, um, you know, Ali knows this. He did, in one day, he did a 500-pound squat, a sub-five-minute mile, and then a marathon in the same day. And Holy like, cow. It's, you know, it's, um, 
superhuman and like, superhuman, insane. yeah, an insane, yeah, superhuman guy. So you know they're doing that in November. So you know, and and you you would like that. Um, yeah, it's just some gosh. of these guys have this, you know, and it's quite funny because you know, just like you just said, you know, you're friends with Cam Haynes, and um, you know he's a guy that a lot of people in this country who you know listen to Joe Rogan, they love Cam Haynes because he's this guy who runs a marathon every day and he's you know one of the best runners in the world and everything and we kind of get attracted to the american side of it because it's like it's kind of cool because he's american you go we have these crazy people here as well and sure you know, they're, you know they're buddies as well like what the, the like it's insane some of these people are make you feel like make me feel so lazy like super oh. lazy because you know i you know i'm only doing an iron man they're they're doing <laughs> Forty kilometers. What the fuck? It, it, right. Why? Yeah. Um, it, it was. You might have seen the video when we did it with Cam when we did his his gym deal. But we were we were staying there, and so he told me he says I'm going to do a marathon before work tomorrow. So he literally got up at two a.m. <laughs> no shit. So he gets up at two a.m. and we met him. He told us where to meet him at six. So at six, we met him, and he had like a couple more. Uh, he got up at two. He said he drank a thing of water. I said, "Do you eat anything?" He goes, "Nah." He just. He, I said, "Do you bring water with you?" He's like, "Nah." He literally just took a big glass of water, whatever the heck he drank, and just started running. He's like, "It's not long enough for me to need much more than that." And so we met him at like six in the morning. He was on the road. He did an interview with us, kind of chatted it up, you know, for a couple minutes. <laughs> And then he's like, all right, I got to finish this. I got about eight more miles. And he just ran away, you know, like this friggin' flying. And then so later, he so he goes to work. So he gets done, showers up, and is still to work by like 8 a.m., does his job, comes back that afternoon. We put in his weight room. We do a workout together. And then we're doing a video series with him. We end up that night at 10 p.m. Now, he's been up since 2, has already run a marathon, worked a full day, put in a weight room, worked out. And at 10 and, and now done a video series and at 10 o'clock, his phone buzzes and he looks down, he's a supervisor. And he was like, Oh, I said, what happens at work? He goes, yeah, a water main just broke. I said, do you have to go to work right now? He goes, yeah, probably. And I was like, Oh, that sucks. He goes, <laughs> he goes, no, it's a great day. You get to work. Right. And I'm just like, wow, you just view it as you get to go work again. You like to work. And I'm like, Holy shit, man, this guy's been up for, you know, 20 hours of work. And it yeah. wasn't a big deal. It was like, oh, cool. I got to go do something hard. Guess what? That's going to make me stronger. Cool. And the mindset was just so intoxicating to be around because you just realize you're, you're, so, you're so capable of so much more. And there's very few people living in that rarefied air that are actually exercising that ability. So one of the, one of the things that's clear, and again, unless you've done it, so having done you know a few marathons uh, and not being... I'm not anywhere near you know that level, but um, you know, obviously not unfit if you're able to do a marathon. Right. It takes two or three days to be able to just walk normally again after because everything's really sore. Uh, so again, if you if you have done something like that, but it, you know, to do that doesn't like it. The, 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 it doesn't work in my head. It's oh, like, the math doesn't work. This guy. Yeah. <laughs> guy's like oh it doesn't have some water and i'll just go run so yeah so one thing that's you know interesting about that so you know you obviously know a lot of uh 
incredible wins. Uh, so, does that impact you and your your drive for the business and you know for for going do your doing your hunting? Does that is that oh, yeah. something that drives you on to find any of these guys? Absolutely. I mean, for me, I, I we we kind of talk about the thin air. Uh, and that like the thin air, in my opinion, it's, it's the physical thin air. Like when you're climbing those mountains, like you're, you're up there dealing this rare thin air that very few people get to breathe because they haven't done the work to get up there. And then, but I also noticed in legitimate terms, like when you're up there, if you run into other people on the top of those mountains, they're generally really freaking interesting, awesome people because not shitty people don't make it to the top of the mountain. And so what I realized is I, I, I'm drawn to those breathing the thin air and whether that's in physical terms of literally the top of the mountain or just in life, whether it's the cams or the Joes or whoever they may be, the people that have overreached above and beyond what is seen, seen as their potential. And they're just doing some amazing things. And so those are the people that excite me that, that I go, okay, Sornex could do things never thought before. Uh, possible in the strength world or you know maybe a uh, a last pick kid from Irmo South Carolina could maybe be a um, you know Olympic hopeful or you know those are the things I get excited about and and so I, I try to chase down those people honestly it's like I see someone like a cam or mm. you know a number of those other people go okay they have this essence of something that they're doing that's amazing I want to not only see that up up firsthand, but I also want to be able to be valuable enough of a person where something that I have is valuable and wanted for them, that then there could be that exchange, Ali, that you talked about, like, cool, I could bring this to the table, you're bringing this to the table, I appreciate you inspiring me, I, I could do this for you that makes your life better, and so for sure, that that changes People are, are where I get my my inspiration from, and that's those those amazing thin air people. That's the stuff, man. That that's there's nothing I'll enjoy I enjoy doing more right than than being around that. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think um, I don't know whether you know what you want to call it if it's fate or you know it's energy or something. But when you start to do, you, you know, you're going to know this because you you know you run a hugely successful company that people become drawn to you and you get drawn to other people and then all these like wonderful things start to happen because you know those guys as you're saying it's these people who you know you, you sort of meet the people you have to meet because you're all driving towards this ultimate goal of you know doing amazing things and it's like yeah it's like um sort of i don't even know how you would explain it it's like it's like a, a, an energy draws together like and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and everybody you know as they say you know a rising a rising tide raises all ships kind of thing um that's exactly yeah, right you know, that's yeah. synergetic energy it is it's synergetic yeah. energy and what people don't understand that although most of those people in that thin air are extremely competitive they're rarely competitive to the detriment of one another like i want to see cam yeah. kill it in life and whatever i could do to help him or joe rogan or uh, some of my friends that you might not know their names. And that, that's the thing. They don't have to be someone famous. It's just like, wow, he or she is doing something absolutely amazing. What can I do to help their journey? Because I want to see them succeed. And there's that other mm. part of it that goes, I loved watching them, some, some, them succeed. I want to do my part and try to achieve that also or even go further. But I'm still going to cheer them on. 
and then we get to cheer yeah. each other on. And that that's the key to the whole thing. It's like, this isn't this guy wins, so this guy has to lose. And that's that's that immature mindset that people think it's mine, mine, mine. I gotta have mine. And and that's their success will be significantly delayed if they continue to think like that. Um, once you yeah. can kind of move past that, that's when you really grow. Yeah, it's been it's, but, it's um, been a step, isn't it? Just knowing that your win Bert, doesn't diminish any win that I have or any win that Chris has. It's, it's cool. We each other's like Chris is doing great. Awesome. I love watching Chris do great. Bert's doing well. I love watching Bert do well. Doesn't take anything away from anything at you. Nope. Yeah. I mean, Chris, how many marathons have you run? I think. It sounds weird, but I'm not really all that interested in marathons. I just like the challenge of doing them because I'm, you know. I'm not built to run marathons. Um, people look at you quite strange when you're lining up. Like, the fuck is this yeah. guy doing here? You know, I'm like six, like six foot and two twenty. So yeah. like, I'm not supposed supposed to be there. So I don't particularly like doing it. I just like the challenge of going. Okay, I'll do this just because people probably think that I can. Right. Um, yeah, I've done like eight or nine. But yeah. Uh, okay, so you, yeah. you've done eight or nine marathons more than I have. If that is so, and that, that I think, yeah. see that, and so that's the thing. It's like, okay, we're roughly the same size. You've done eight or nine marathons. I don't want to compete with you, but it inspires me to go, hey, Bert, I know you're, you freaking hate long distance stuff. That's not who you are. But Chris has just proven that he's done eight or nine, and he also does dislikes it, but he likes doing mm. hard stuff. So maybe that's mm. something that you should do because you're not competing with Chris, but man, that's badass to see that Chris is doing some awesome stuff. And I don't feel like I'm doing awesome stuff now. I feel like I'm doing yeah. other stuff, but a marathon yeah. is kind of sounds pretty amazing. It's so thank uh, you. one of the nice, one of the, you know what? It's, it's a, a very good, uh, a very good thing that, you know, you get these ideas of things being, um, you know, if you do these amazing, like, not amazing things, but if you do these cool things, like, it's going to, I don't know, you you have this idea in your head, maybe that there's going to be some, like, party waiting on you at the finishing line. And I did, um, so last year I did uh, the Ring of, Ring of Steel, it's in Kinloch Leven in Scotland, and it is not a marathon, it's uh, about 18 miles you cover four Monroes and it is fucking awful. And I remember it was the hardest thing. I, um, it was very warm for Scotland and I, I had no water. I was having to divert off the track to go find a stream to get some water and it was horrible. And I remember finishing, crossing the finishing line thinking, that's fucking amazing. And you get to the finish and there's nobody there. Nobody's there to meet you. There's nobody, you know, nobody really cares. You know what I mean? It's one of those you do this thing it is the hardest thing i'd ever and i have to say i had a little uh, i had a little cry to myself yeah and uh, there's nobody there you are cool so you know that's so interesting I, went <laughs> I got some food and went back to my uh you know, camper van and slept there and drove home in the morning that was it <laughs> that was it right it's interesting that you say that because when i uh retire from um the olympic hammer throw 
I remember thinking because I had done it for so long and you build up this story in your head that like, like you said, there's going to be a parade or all these people there afterwards. And it's like, yeah, you know, everyone knows I'm training for the Olympics in 2000 and 2004, and, you know, my, my town or my family's pulling for me and all this other stuff. And you build up this thing in your mind. And, and in some ways I was, I was certainly doing it for myself, but I was certainly doing it for to prove to the world that I could or prove to my family that I was good enough to, or to prove to who knows, it could have been to prove to the girl in fifth grade that didn't want to be my girlfriend, that I could do something that the guy she chose can't do. Like it could have been any of that. Right. And when I, when I finally retired from track and field, I was, I was uh, my roommate, I went home and he goes, Hey man, he goes, uh, you want to go, you want to, he said, are you, you want to go fishing today or no, he, that's what he said. He goes, are, you're, you didn't go to practice today. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm done throwing. He goes, Oh really? Why is that? I was like, yeah, I'm not going to train for another four years. And he goes, Oh, you want to go fishing? Like it was literally, it, it, and I, I thought about it. I was like, wow, I retired from going after two Olympic teams, four time all American, like all this stuff that I hung my hat on these achievements and this thing that I built up in my head that everyone cared so much. I was Bert the hammer thrower. And what I realized to my true friends was I was Bert. I happened to be his roommate and we liked fishing and throwing had kept us from going fishing because I had other shit to do. And then when I did have other shit to do, he was like, cool, you want to go fishing? It was that simple to him. And it was a very big lesson for me. Like you said, like I had to have those little cries by myself to think that my career was over. But for the rest of my family, they're like, oh, okay, well, you're not doing that anymore. Um, are you coming for Thanksgiving? Like it, it, there, there was no fanfare. There was no parade. There was no retirement ceremony. And then that's when I really realized, man, I better have been doing that for myself because I sure as crap, if I thought I was doing it for anybody else, I was failing because they really didn't care. And that's something that I think yeah. people have to come to a realization of. One of the, uh, you know, and I think I think you should uh, you should try a marathon. One of the coolest things is, you know, it's, it's very similar to you know you know deadlifting or squatting or you know whatever you're doing or you know throwing a hammer. Uh, no, deadlifting, squatting, and throwing a hammer lasts like three seconds. <laughs> like a marathon is yeah. a lot of pain. And, and, four hours. And, you know, and, and you know. One of the things that's always, you know, you know, I used to train at a, an athletics facility, uh, and our friend um, Ian Mackey was a, an Olympian '96 and 2000 Scottish sprinter, and uh, you know, I've talked to him in the gym before. And it's like, you know, I was doing uh, 400 meter repeats on the track. So you know, I, I give me a marathon any fucking day and doing this bullshit. 400 meter sprints is the worst thing that a human being could do so yeah but the, one of the things that's uh amazing is, is it, it, you you will you well know this when you do a marathon bit because you and when you lie in your bed at night and you go and you go ah, it's, it's the best feeling in the world because it's like such an achievement to to run 26 miles um it's so cool to be able to lie in your bed at night, you know. Yeah. You've, you've, I need uh, to had do some it. food and go, yeah, fuck that. I did that. I did that. I mean, you've got the perfect coach. Just, you know, board Cam and say, what the fuck? Yeah. Do, hey, what do I do? And, and, you know, no, Cam's <laughs> thing, his coaching would be like, it's only 26 miles. Go out there and run it. Shut up. Call <laughs> me when you're done. I'd be like, is that it? He's, he'll be like, yeah, that's it. You could walk yeah. so you could run a marathon. Yeah. Um, 
Do you know Brandon um, Lilly? Do you know Brandon? He was a two-time world champion powerlifter. And he blew his his knee out uh, squatting a whole bunch of weight years ago and almost lost his leg and all this stuff. Weighed 340 pounds and has basically dieted and trained himself down to 220. But at Mm. like 265, he ran a marathon. uh, And and the doctor said that they didn't know if he'd ever – they didn't think he'd ever run again and could potentially always have like a, a limp. And he's now done two marathons, and he's done them by himself. He went out in the morning, and he just started going. And he's like, I'm just going to go until I get done with it. And one day, he was in the airport in Chicago, and they kept bumping his flight. And so just out of protest, he walked a marathon in the airport just to piss everybody off. And he kept posting about it, how United kept knocking his flights (laughs) off, which I thought was hilarious. It was like, you're the only person who did 26.2 miles with a backpack on in the airport just to be an ass, which was just fantastic. (laughs) But he just, he was a guy that just proved like, Hey, I'm not built for this, but the mindset is you just go out and you do it till it's done. Right. So when you, when you line up, um, so the Ironman I attempted last year, uh, was called the Keltman and it's around about taller than one of the hardest endurance events. I think the, you know, there's two or three that claim to be the hardest Ironman, the iron distance triathlon. That's one of them, and it's one of the hardest events on the planet. So it's a, you know, three point eight kilometer swim in a really cold Scottish loch that's filled with jellyfish, and then two hundred and two kilometers on those roads, and a marathon over Munro's. When you st- when I'm at the you know the start, and it's full of you know tiny little Swiss guys and French guys, and, <laughs> and, and that. I, you know, I'm standing there, and you know, it's like all these people looking at you, like, why the fuck is this fucking gigantic man here? Because they're all tight, like five, six, oh, yeah. eight stone. And it, you know, you know, you're looking right away, going, yeah, but none of you fuckers can deadlift five hundred pounds, can you? So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, still get... <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love I still, it. Still try it. Yeah, still try it. So yeah, and uh, yeah, we're going back. I should have went back this year. Going back next year now. Um, that's an incredible event. Super cool. Um, so yeah, well, like I say it's, it's funny standing there and you go, yeah, none of you guys know how to armbar or you know whatever. But they're all they're all uh, <laughs> super super fast, uh, super fast little guys who are, who are doing it in uh, yeah times. But um, fuck it, man. I'll, I'll I'll go back and give it another go and. Uh, We'll see if we can get on. So yeah, it's cool. I love hearing those stories about guys, you know, you know, even even bigger than I am, you know, just just to prove that they can. It's so yeah. cool. I, I love to hear. Yeah, because that. everyone has strength. Everything isn't always a strength, right? Like a, a strength to one person is a weakness to another. It depends on what you're doing. It like I'm, you know, six three. I go between two thirty and two forty five at times. Like that's really good for doing my old job. It's really bad for mm. doing marathons and, and, and things like that. But, but it's like, mm. you know, I, it, it's, it's, it is what it is. We all have our different skill sets, right? And our different resources. Yeah. yeah so. But, you know, if we pull together, everybody can help each other and we can all become that's it. awesome. That, that's uh, it. That's <clears throat> just like this guy lifts heavy stuff. This guy runs really far. Let's like, that's how a country's built, right? Yeah. This army. Yeah, absolutely. I love uh you know, I love that. I love that, um, just that mindset of, you know, everything doesn't have to be a competition. It's okay to suck at things. 
Let's yeah. try and get a little bit better at it. But it's cool. It's cool to suck at things. Like, um, you know, it's it's one of those hard. Um, it's one of those things that you know. I think a lot of people struggle with not being good. Like they, you know, they shy away from things maybe they're not good at. Whether right. it's you know, you know, whatever deadlift or a hammer throw or, or running. Oh, you know, you know, like you say, oh, I really can't run. Yeah, you can run a mile. Cool. You know, I think David Goggins is one of the guys that said this. You know, tomorrow run two miles. You know, just, yeah. You, you know, you don't you don't become you don't become sort of next if you don't build a fucking squat rack. You know, it doesn't it's... happen. You know, yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It doesn't happen that way. It's like so. You, know, you want to be you want to be a huge uh, supplier of fitness equipment. Okay, but you haven't built. You know, a farmer's carry. You, know, yeah, farmer's you need to go ahead and build some fitness equipment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you know though? I was going to say there's the flip of that as well though, because a lot of people go the other way and mm-hmm. end up in the shitty shape where they're 330 pounds of pure bubble gum, and then go, oh, I need to get back in shape in three weeks, and you're like, dude, you didn't get 330 pounds in the space of three weeks. It took right. years to get there. Why do you think it's going to be done overnight? Do you know what I mean? But people, again, get caught up in that mindset, Chris, of, oh, I did it for two weeks and didn't lose any weight. Oh, well, I'm just going to be £330 for the rest of my life. Yeah, this is what I do now. Not appreciate, uh, as you say, you know, you were the, the, the large size trousers, oh, they're getting a bit tight. The XL, damn, these two XL are getting tight now. And before long, you're putting your belt on with a boomerang and uh, you really <laughs> need to start like losing that. some weight. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No, you're, that goes back to that long time thing. Anything worth anything is generally from a good bit of time. But to what Chris said before, I, I tend to like starting things that I'm bad at because, yeah. I mean, cheaply, yeah. that gives you the highest probability of, of, a, of a really steep success rate, right, of a learning curve. Because if I'm really shitty at it, well, then I'm going to get kind of good fast. Not good, mm. kind of good. I'll get better, you know. Whereas if it's like I'm gonna go back to hammer throwing right now, well, I was really, really good. I could probably train for the rest of my life and never get as good as I was. So yeah. that to me, yeah. there's a part of me that goes, ah, that doesn't sound fun. But like, hey, let's do, let's learn how to play guitar. All right, well, I'm gonna be effing terrible at it right now. But I know if I take a lesson, I'll be a measurable amount of better. So that sounds super fun. And then I also kind of like the mindset I talk about, hunt weakness. Just hunt for your weaknesses. That's the quickest way to get good. Like when I was doing Highland Games, um, how I went from 53rd in the nation to basically winning worlds that year was I literally just said, okay, my what's my worst event? My worst event is the sheaf, or my worst event is the caber. Or worst, and I would just train the shit out of my worst event until that went up because I found that was the fastest way to increase through the ranks. Find the worst thing that you're at and just go after that. I don't need to work on the hammer. I was a good hammer thrower. I never threw a hammer in training. And most people like yeah. they love to do the stuff they love to do. And it's like, well, that's not going to make me a better. That's not going to get me to a pro any faster. Doing the stuff that I suck balls at all the time that's going to get me really good and that that was the fun mm. part because i'm addicted to the increase and and the getting better not the being the best so i think the people yeah. need to know that absolutely i mean you know we could we could you know me and ali could relate to that on you know just doing this just doing this podcast you're like fuck man we are you know earlier this year when we suck at this we are not good at talking to people and um <laughs> You, you just go, okay, you could either 
just go, we, just, we don't have to do this anymore. We can just not do it. Or you could just say, well, what will happen? Uh, and, and let's figure it out. Let's try and, uh, you know, get better at it. And, you know, listen a little bit better. Uh, and, you know, do a little bit more research and digging on who we're talking to. And just get better. And now we're at the stage yeah. where, we're, you know, we're a, li- we're a little bit less shit than and hopefully in six months time we'll be you know a little bit less shit again and it's you know that's fucking and then you'll sign with spotify for a hundred million (laughs) dollars it's just how it happens right yeah absolutely uh well i think that's i think that's how it happens um uh, but you know it's just it's just great fun you know you 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 know you get to have good fun and uh you know you get to be uh, cool people like you um yeah it's uh you know for us it's uh it's it's a really awesome you know it's you know if we when when we look back through the tape list over the last six months you look at it and you go this is insane this is crazy why you know the people we've talked to it's like it's uh you know it's so good and i've said this so many times now so sorry if anybody's pissed off with me saying this but you speak to these people uh, you know, and, and whether it was, uh, you know, Navy SEALs, uh, we've had a few Navy SEALs on, uh, Kelly Pavlik, we had Kelly Pavlik on, um, you, you know, we've had FBI guys on, you know, you yourself, and you realise that everybody is just a person trying to be good at it, and you, you, you build people up, you know, I, you know, I'm assuming, you know, Cam Haynes would be the same, or, or Joe would be the same, is you build people up that you could never aspire to and then you speak to them and you go oh he's just a guy who's you know likes his kids and is making a living and doing what he loves to do like they're not different they're just people who who do things and it's 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 you know doing this podcast has really reaffirmed that to us that nobody's special right right you're exactly right and that, yeah. that is the same, um, that's the same thing I discovered. And it wasn't necessarily through podcasts. It was just through Soranex or competing and just, you know, I used to do it when I was competing in, in hammer throw. I would find the whoever the best people were. If they just kicked my ass on the field, I would take them out and feed them beers and buy them a steak and just get them to talk to me. And and then that would just, they, they would basically share who they were as a person, what their mindsets were. And so I learned a lot from that it was data mining. But what I also end up walking away with I went wow I've seen the ups and downs of a lot of these people because then I became friends with them I go oh they're people they're people just like mm-hmm. me they they deal with uh you know a bad relationship at home or kids or money issues or injuries or all the same stuff that I deal with it just so happens that their skill set is higher than mine or their work ethic or their they have certain things they've done and a lot of time it's just opportunity and time and i go okay if that's a variable i could control or i could keep working towards then to to quote uh, another movie what was it, the edge with uh, anthony hopkins he said what one man can do another can do and you just kind of come to the realization that no one's magic no one's overly special it's generally just mindset or situation like you know it sounds kind of grotesque but like i'm sure you've probably had like a stomach bug or stomach flu where it's coming out of all ends and you just feel like the worst 
gross person on the and you're like passed out on the bathroom floor and you're cold sweats and you just want to die right and you would never ever in a hundred years want someone to see you in that position it's totally vulnerable and demoralizing usually when i meet someone super famous or powerful i i i see them doing that in my head because i know they've done it and i know we've all done it and i go right You've been totally grotesque and vulnerable before laying on the bathroom floor wanting to die, just like I have. There's nothing different between us. You just have had different opportunities or different drives and different passions and a different amount of time to help you get where you are. And if I do the same thing a long enough period of time, I could also achieve whatever I want to achieve. You and I are no different. And once I realize yeah. that, then it's like the keys to the universe. You're like, oh, okay, cool. So there is no magic bullet. The magic bullet is we're all the magic bullet. And just go out and do mm. it. And, uh, you know, hanging out with, with Rogan when we did his weight room. Amazing guy. Super awesome. He has certain key things he's incredible at, but he's still a guy. He's a really mm. great guy. And some of his strengths are he's so gracious. He's such a nice person. He's so, like those things that you would hope celebrities would be. You go, oh, that's part of your superpower. You treat people right. Thus, mm. you build social capital and you do the right things, you listen very well, you do all these things that are all doable, and you got to where you are from a lot of damn hard work. And yeah. then you just go, okay, that's really cool because it's 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 replicatable. And uh, so, yeah, yeah, I think if, if doing a podcast gives you no more than just that perspective, it's totally worth it, right? 100%. Yeah. Yeah, the, the the whole um the whole idea uh, bit was you know lockdown happened in Scotland yeah March um uh, 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 I just went let's do a podcast and we knew we knew some you know you know quite lucky to know some you know quite quite uh, impressive people you know from sports you know Olympian and. Uh, you know, I, I have a boxing background, so I knew some, you know, fairly decent boxers and stuff like this. And we just went, yeah, let's do it. You know, we'll be able to talk to some people and, and have some fun. And it passes the time because we can't do much else just now. So let's let's fucking do it. And then, you know, Ali mostly started to get brave and start to email more and more people. And people went, holy shit, okay. Okay, let's email this guy. And it's like, holy shit, he said yes? Fucking hell. <laughs> and then... You know, uh, I you know I showed Ali, but right before um, right before we spoke to Kelly Pavlik, so you know, he, you know he was a, a hero of mine when I was boxing. And I showed Ali on my watch, my heart rate was 120 beats per minute. Sitting to speak to Kelly Pavlik, I was like, holy fucking shit, it's Kelly Pavlik! Fuck, 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 fuck! And I was trying to calm myself down and not say something stupid. And then you speak to him, and he's just like, hey guys, what's up? Hi. That's it. Really. Hi, you're a person. Uh, yeah. It's, it's just, it's, as you're saying, Chrissy, just because I do the majority of it, send emails out or messages or DMs or whatever. And there's times where people don't get back and it's like, oh, well, they didn't get back. No worries. But, you know, no skin. It's, it is what it is. But there's times where, like with yourself, with a few other people, we get the reply and they go, yeah, I'd love to do that. And we literally, me and Chris will catch up and be like, so these people have agreed to come on. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, right. It's hilarious. It's hilarious. Yeah. And, and that, that just brings, uh, it's kind of like, you know, ask the pretty girl to dance, right? She's probably going to say yes because most people are too afraid to ask her, you know? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, it, it's awesome what you guys are doing. Are you guys still locked down over in Scotland? 
Well, possibly. We're about, there's there's a lot of rumours that we're about to go back in over the next couple of weeks. So there's been a bit of an easing. So we've been able to do a bit more, but there's been a bit of a spike in cases. And yeah. my uh, my kids, at, my uh, youngest son's at high school, and they've just had, I think they're up to five cases. So half the school's currently under self-isolation for 14 days. Mm. So we'll see how it goes over the next few weeks. Um, I, I am on the flip side of that where I have no kids and I was lucky enough to build myself a little gym in my garden. So Good deal. So you're like, oh, we'll just keep squat. going. You have a squat rack and a pull-up bar, and you know, I could bench press it in there. So I'm like, yeah, fuck it. Let's lock us back down. I don't care. I'm just going to walk <laughs> go find yeah. some healthy runs. I'm fine. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, I don't know. Are you guys locked down? Are you uh, guys South Carolina. I mean, South Carolina, thankfully, never really got too far out of normal. Um, I think it's due to a lot of reasons. We're, you know, we're not super populated uh, politically. Um, we're just not typical place that does that stuff. I'll leave it at that. Um, and, uh, you know, and, 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 and South Carolina is a lot like Texas. We don't like people telling us what to do, <laughs> you know? And so it's just like, you know, all right, we're going to, we're going to not be idiots, but we're just kind of going to keep going. And if we have to wear a mask to go into your establishment, okay, fine. I'll respect the establishment or I just won't go in there, you know? And, yeah. and so, uh, you know, I've, I've taken it from day one, talking to a lot of my doctor friends and their biggest thing was, you know, it's all about immune system and prevention. So 5,000 uh, I use of you know, vitamin D per day, vitamin C, some antivirals, you know, getting sleep, getting exercise, getting rest, like all that type of stuff and training. Uh, I've been around three different people that have had it uh, unknowingly. Um, I mean, like at dinner with them at their house on the couch for five hours and then two days later they had it. So, you know, have I had it and not known it? Maybe. Um, I don't know. Uh, I'm not I'm not afraid of it. I think it's more of a fear based deal. And yeah. I think people need to do their their part of being healthy. I think it's a wake up call. I hate to say it not to get political. I think it's a wake up call for people to be healthy versus being afraid because it yeah. proves that generally the healthier you are the better chance you have with it. I don't, I don't see how this isn't a shot to the system for everyone yeah. to realize to start getting healthy. Um, not to, yeah. not to get polarizing in the podcast, but uh, <laughs> I don't think anyone could uh, argue with getting healthier in general is a bad yeah. idea, but maybe yeah. someone will yell at me yeah. about it. I suppose yeah. there's some people that are surprised that the Pope's a Catholic in the same way. <laughs> right. yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Just pissed yeah. off and pissed off because I don't wear a mask everywhere and I'm not afraid. Imagine this that. Is, uh, this, this is one of the reasons when, you know, I, I think about, you know, going to, I don't want to go to Times Square or fucking LA. I want to go someplace like North Carolina and see, you know, real Americans and, and, and see real America. I don't, Hollywood or, you know, LA, LA and New York is not real America. You are you are correct. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd like I'd like to go to like you know North Carolina, someplace like that, and uh, yeah, come to South Carolina, see what's, come see hang out. You know, it's on Sornex. Um, yeah, no, yeah, well, well, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Listen, we're allowed to travel. Maybe, maybe, maybe we'll. Um, yeah, uh, we have we have kept you way longer than we we planned about it. We're like uh, an hour an hour and a half in. Um, 
So I don't uh, I don't know if you need to to get off, but uh... yeah, at some point. <laughs> it's your show. <laughs> at, this, uh, at this at this point, I'm going to get some beers and uh, and, and and start getting crazy. Uh, no, uh... tenants. Yeah, get a whole out. Yeah, that's right. No, no, I have um, and in the fridge, I have some. Uh, one of the, one of my favourite hills is Shahalian, and you get a Shahalian beer, and it's fucking lovely. Really nice. I've got a couple of friends and I'm sitting there going, oh, I should just have one of those, but. I think we've got to do some uh, illegal, illegal jiu-jitsu in the morning. Sorry, uh, yeah, yeah, illegal jiu-jitsu. Yeah, allegedly. 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 allegedly, we'll, we'll be doing jiu-jitsu in the morning. I don't even care anymore if anybody knows. Um, but yeah, that's something that we still can't do. But yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> so you're but, yeah, you'll be back uh, to training with Rock soon, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah all be like to do. That's one of those things. Just because you said earlier on, you know, picking up big stones. Um, I tried to pick up a, a an atlas stone once. I think it, it was 120 kilos. It was you know, 120 heavy. You know, if you were going to deadlift it, you'd you know that's probably around about where I would start warming up. Trying to pick up a 120 kilo atlas stone. It's super hard. Yeah. What the fuck do you do? Insane. In fact, yeah. on a on a on a on a topical on a topical subject, uh, it was now I, I forget which stone. Stoltman it was. The, you know, the two Scottish brothers, the Stoltman brothers? He, oh, okay. One of them just broke the Atlas Stone record, I think, two, two six kilos. I think it was Tom Yeah, 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 I think, yeah. And I think wow. he's going for it. I believe he's going for it. He thinks he has a 306 in him. Um, <laughs> Atlas <laughs> Stone. Um, so, yeah, yeah, those are two... I think those might be the first time we've really had genuine contenders for the the world's strongest man. Um, yeah, the, St- the Stoltman brothers, and they're super strong. Um, Jeez, you know, one of them I, I have uh, the original McGlashan stones that were using okay. the world's strongest man in Scotland. Um, mm. I have them here at HQ. Um, uh, Gregor Edmonds actually uh, sold them to me, uh, so okay. he used them in the world's strongest man back in the day and <clears throat> they're the ones that Kazmaier used and john paul sigmundson used and mm-hmm. so we got both sets of six of them here so That's awesome. it's something um it's something that i always if i was if i was bigger i would have definitely gone to strongman i'm just not big enough you know i just can't carry that weight i'm just not big enough yeah. as a human being oh you I, think I would have of, loved enough. yeah you're what six two right it's no six foot Six foot, okay. Yeah, but there were still strong men back in the 80s that were six foot, six one, even a little bit shorter. But even like Magnus for Magnuson, or I'm sorry, uh, yeah, Magnus for Magnuson, he was six, two and a half, like 130 kilos. That is yeah. tiny now. Tiny yeah, for yeah, a strong man. Yeah. Like yeah. these dudes are so huge. I mean, some of them are 200 kilos, six foot seven, yeah. and you're like, yeah. it's just a whole different animal, man. Yeah. yeah, it's like um, we've said a few I, times. I, I, you have Chris here on the podcast the three things that every guy would love to be. When we said, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. there's the three things that every guy, probably in the heart of hearts, maybe growing up, if you were given one of these three things, you would definitely take it: the world's hundred meters sprint champ, like the Olympic champ, world heavyweight boxing champion, or world's strongest man. If you were offered one of those as a kid, and that'd be like your ultimate, you'd be like, yes, please, I'll take one of those three. No issues. No question. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no question. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that, those are just the basics, yeah. right? <laughs> That's yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I, I'm, I'm one of those idiots that thinks that I could probably do all three. That's the way my brain works. Like, oh, it's impossible. <laughs> They're really yeah. like, suck at everything. But, um... <laughs> I, I, I tell my yeah. wife when my wife when we first met she was a big baseball fan and I never played but I convinced her or attempted to convince her that based upon my size and athletic ability I could probably pick up baseball and 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 become a professional baseball player and jokingly is of course and then I would probably be able to play in the World Series by the time I was 40 um, and then, so now, you know, I'm four years past that and I keep joking. Like, I'm like, well, I, I know I haven't started my career, but I still have a little bit of time. Like, she's like, okay, you're, 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 you're obviously realizing, you know, but I, it's kind of one of those things in your head, that delusion. She's like, you're just delusional that you think you're going to start baseball. And then I was like, I know, but as long as I kind of think that there's a chance of other less preposterous things to happen. Yeah, talking yeah. talking yeah, delusions I, like that. I've, I um, I actually played American football over here in Scotland. Oh wow! I played wide receiver predominantly, and uh, in the back of my head, I always thought, man, if I'd had the chance going to high school, going to a Div One school like Notre Dame or USC, or yeah, yeah. I could have made it to the NFL. It was just the fact I'm, I was in Scotland. That's the only reason. The only. Then I did a season's internship with the Scottish Claymores from NFL Europe. I was a coaching assistant uh, doing an internship. And that was guys who were like practice squad in the NFL or guys who hadn't even made it to practice squad and had been sent over. And I saw the level of athleticism that those guys had. And I was like, oh, no, nah, it's fuck up to do with the fact I'm Scottish. I just don't have the genes. <laughs> I'm a 6'2", white Scottish guy. That's the reason I'm not in the NFL. Nothing to do with it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, this is a real thing. I mean, like uh, I, uh, um, I did okay as an amateur boxer. Uh, I had one international match against Norway, uh, and then I, I had some, uh, you know, some sparring camps and, and sparred some world class guys. And then you go, holy shit! There is levels to levels in this game, man. Like in everything, there's just levels. You go, you know, I'm quite, you know, I was, I was okay. I was okay. Right. And then you you know you you box internationals you're like oh okay and then you box like you you do some sparring with a world class international and it's like oh yeah totally different animal and you're just like this got it running, this, yeah. this, this is this is running with Cam Haynes this is I can't do this <laughs> do, you know, do you know it's just crazy yeah Bear, do you remember Dante Hall that played for Kansas City I don't no nah he was he was he got sent over by Kansas as a rookie and he like I would run like a 40-40, which is fast for Scotland, but pedestrian for a wide receiver. And they, oh. we were running, they were running 40s, and they're like, do you want to jump in, Ali? I was like, yeah. And I lined up behind Donnie Hall, and he ran a 4-2-6. And I was like, nah, I ain't running. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. we were uh, in college. We had um, uh, Terrence Trammell, who was actually a 2004 2000-2004 Olympic medalist in the hurdles in the 110s. He was a teammate of mine and just an absolute flies. Now, again, hand-timed, wearing spikes on a track, but they ran 40s one day at practice and had two guys. This is on the University of South Carolina track team. Terrence Trammell ran a 4.09 40, and, and, uh, and Jamal Williams ran a 4.19. Now, both of them were all Americans. One was a multi-time national champion. People are like, oh, you're full of shit. He didn't run that fast. I go, take into account, two years later, he won the 60-meter dash world championships against Maurice Green. 
Yeah. He had that type of speed. And then you just realize mm-hmm. you go, that was probably the fastest 40. Again, not on grass, not with cleats, whatever, hand time. But you go, that was probably the fastest 40 ever across the track of all time. Like, that oh, is yeah. so freaking fast. And then you just realize, like, that guy played football in high school and didn't even play in college. You're like, there's dudes like that somewhere that are just like, didn't even play in college. Holy shit. They're yeah. so good. So good. And then I'm just like, yeah, I was pretty fast. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not. Yeah, as far as what's funny is the marginal, like, you know, if you think you're quite, and then you look at the margin, you go, I'm not that far away. So I did it once with, um, I did it once with a 500 meter indoor row. And I can't even remember what my time was. I just, I mean, that felt quick. I felt strong throughout the whole thing. And I, that was fun. I wonder what, you, you know, just when I was sitting on the road, I think I was doing two or three sets, and, you know, sitting on the road, yeah. well, you know, what's the, what, what's the world record for an indoor 500 meter? And then you go, holy shit, I'm only 10 seconds off the indoor 500 right. Fuck. Holy shit. And then you look, like, in terms of times, it put me like, in the world, but was all within this ten second period. You go, ah, okay, okay, that margin is uh, right. never, ever, ever get it. It's these margins, but it sounds like that. Oh yeah, uh, it's not. It's <laughs> I'm crazy. terrible, really terrible. Um, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, these uh, you know, and uh, again, yeah, these things understand. You know, it's, it's you know, everybody loves uh. Uh, you know, the, you know the, the the fan watching the fight going, oh yeah, I would have done this. Yeah, you 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 wouldn't have done it, man. I'm surprised you get up to go for a piss. Um, yeah, the bottom know, line is, for most people, if if they're sitting at home watching something on TV and the person that's on TV doing it, you have no chance with them. Like that's that should just yeah. be the good the goal that you just go with. Like if he's playing football right now and I'm watching him. I can't play with him. Or if he's boxing right now, if I'm sitting at home, because if you were yeah. that good, you would at least be in the cr- in the crowd at, at the fight yeah. or, or whatever. Yeah. It's just, just yeah. Got it. Yeah. They're on a totally different level to me. I get it. Uh, it's just wild, man. It's it's good. So, yeah, people have this weird, weird, um, weird idea of their ability without having ever tried. And yeah, yeah, man. I, yeah. I don't know how to like, break this. Like me with baseball. You're going to do it. The last great. I'd be great at baseball when I learn how to play. It'd be awesome. You're going to run a marathon. <laughs> <laughs> when I learn how to play, yeah. Uh, yeah, you've got, you've got a lot to do over the next couple of years. Uh, I'm you, gonna, better, <laughs> you better let the wife know. You're not, you're not going to be home often. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of stuff. I gotta learn how to run marathons, play baseball. I mean, there's, uh, sure there'll be yeah, something else yeah, yeah. by the end of this conversation yeah, that'll yeah. take up my time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got a lot to do, man. You've got to do that. Get to Scotland and uh, yeah, can achieve all the shit. Um, oh man, right. We're now we're now pushing on. Like that's like an hour forty-five. I think we're taking up too much of your time. I feel like uh, I feel like you could spend you spend your day better. Let's do morons. Uh, I'm, I'm having a great time, but I probably do need to go learn how to play baseball, though. Yes, it's true. You <laughs> probably do. You probably do, man. Um, you know, I think, you know there's, there's still a million things that we could talk about. Um, you know, maybe maybe we'll maybe we'll do it again at some point. Um, That'd be great. But yeah, man, it was awesome. Yeah, man. But listen, 
we look into that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like I say, you know, I, I would, I, you know, I would like, I'd love to, I'd love to come to America to run some races. I'd like to come do a marathon or a triathlon some place because uh, I think it's super cool to do that stuff. I just think it's cool to go away and have some experience yeah. someplace doing a race and then grabbing grabbing a beer and a burger and just chill uh, yeah I'll, I'll have a look see if there's anything in uh see if there's anything in south carolina that looks good and you never know sounds um, good man okay you know if, if if you if you decide to come back to scotland man um absolutely hit us up and we'll we'll tell you some some cool places to check out um yeah that'd be be pretty cool so. sounds great as yeah, we as we uh, as we wind down, Bert, we always ask, just for anyone that wants to find out more about you, get more inspired, where can they find you on social media or the internet? And we'll tag this into the notes as well at the sure. end of the podcast. Sure, yeah. Uh, my IG and my Facebook is Bert Sorin, B-E-R-T-S-O-R-I-N. Uh, Sorinex uh, is our company. Sorinex Outdoors is kind of our outdoor side of that, which is uh, just you know some of the passions that I have and my dad has in that world, mixing that with strength. And uh, Sornex.com if you need any gear. I don't know how Ooh. how easy it is to get to Scotland right now, but we, uh, we have yeah, we have I before. Think, um, I think uh, yeah, I look. You know, I'm usually around about this time. I look at some new new gear for the winter. Uh, so I'll check it out. And, uh, the problem always with getting stuff from America is not it's the cost of the shipping makes it outrageous. Oh, yeah. Like some sometimes it becomes crazy, you know. I've you know certain t-shirts. Um, you know, I I went to buy a, a you know a Jocko Willink rash guard for jiu-jitsu once, and it was more for shipping than it was for the rash. That, that pesky uh, ocean, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, yeah. It sometimes makes it expensive. I'll check it out, man, because I, I you know I love the gear. One actually, one thing that I, I wanted to ask you about was the. How did you, did you see squat Toba? October, yeah. Scott yeah. What's that? I just uh, quickly before we go, I just want to ask sure. you. Sure. Yeah. What's so this is the six years, so five six years ago, uh, Aaron Osmus and I uh, were talking about just squatting and everything like that, and we're like, you know, the, we didn't have like a month where where we really focus in on just kind of the glory of a specific exercise. We're like, well, squat has to be the one, you know, I mean that that's the biggest one, and so. It was actually September when I came up with the idea, and I was like, "We ought to do squat timber." And I'm like, "Ah, oh, crap! It's already September's already started. We probably need to do a different month." And so Squattober just came out, and then uh, we started it by doing just kind of posting some of the best squatters in the world and some of the history of the squat, different squat positions, and things like that. And then Aaron had the great idea of uh, writing a programming that you squat basically all month. And uh, in a lot of, you know, common training knowledge says you can't squat every day or anything like that. But he programmed it with the load parameters where you actually can. And the last day of the month, you actually come up with a, a new personal record. And this is the fourth or fifth yeah. year that we've had the programming of it. And it, and it just kind of unifies the world the, of our lifting community goes, hey, man, all of us are going to be squat heavy this, this month. We're all going to go through this really tough thing together. Um, we're going to do something that's almost like a marathon. We're going to squat every day this month and everyone's going to think it's crazy. But at the end of the month, we're all going to have this, a big, super cool squat. Our legs are going to get bigger. We're going to get stronger. We'll, we'll know we did something together. So it's kind of like a marathon of a squat. And so, uh, the last day is when we do it, we call it the, the squat PR party. 
And it's we kind of now, now call it it's the world's largest squat party. I mean, we had four years ago we had people in all the continents uh, doing Squattober, um, and so we have literally every everywhere in the world there's someone uh, following the programming and doing Squattober, and it's more just to build a community of people saying, hey, let's work really hard this month, do some amazing things that that uh, were deemed impossible. So that's how Squattober that's works. That's all. That's awesome. I like it. Um, yeah, hop on it. You're yeah, only yeah. uh, you're, you're day six. You could jump on it right now. Day six. Yeah, Sorenex yeah, Squattober. Yeah. That's on uh, so IG yeah. on on IG is Sorenex Squattober, and so every day uh, we post the programming. So you don't get to know it a month in advance or five weeks. It's literally you wake up that day, you see what's on the program, you do the program, and you live day to day on it, uh, and and you just know at the end of the month you're gonna be strong as crap. So check it out. <laughs> I like it. I might, I might, I might, I, tomorrow, tomorrow night will be you know some sort of leg session. Uh, so I may look at it and and jump on board for the next of the month. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Hit it. Like it. Hit uh, it. Yeah. You'll have to buy new jeans for sure. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, right. Okay. I think uh, intelligent things to say. I don't, don't really have intelligent things to say anyway, but um, <laughs> for this moment, I've got intelligent things to say, but uh, it was a, a, a real a real pleasure, and uh, thank you for your time, and, uh, you know, we wish you all the best. We'll hopefully, yeah, maybe one day we'll do it in the studio. That sounds great. Thank you so and much for having me, guys. Absolutely. Hat tip as well, Bert, because you now win the award or the most epic beard we've ever had on the sleeve. <laughs> we've got a couple of good ones. My mate Chris Salmon's got a good one that's probably about four or five inches shorter than yours. Shout nice. out to Barry Gibson. He had a good one, but I think you, hands down, have the most epic beard that we've ever had. So, <laughs> Perfect. Congratulations. I does that, if I, Ali, does that win that win a mug? I think so. Silly Goose Gang mug for Bert. Hey, I like I that. So. Forget about your four no time problem. division one all American. It's all about the silly goose gang mug for the, the silly goose gang mug. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. I hope you all have a great uh, night. Uh, you too, man. You too. Episode 43 done and dusted. Bert Soren. Thank you so much. Thanks, gentlemen. Silly Goose Gang Podcast.